If you'll turn to your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be covering some scriptures from each of these chapters here. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I would like to, I would like everybody to give a hand to my, my little girl and my wife because I am grateful that they're willing to step up and do what they just did. How many of you just want to just get up in front of people? I mean, how many just, I'm not seeing hands out there. So could you, could we just give our hands, put them together for Sarah for a first time? You know, I want to say this. Sarah has been wanting to for quite a while. She's been wanting to join and sing. And you know, what you want here is you want somebody, regardless of their talent, you want somebody with the heart of worship. And, uh, you know, what was it yesterday? Isaac and I were already putting up some Christmas lights around the house, and uh, he had said, I can hear Sarah singing, and she was in the back, and she plays in this weather, and she goes outside and plays in the dirt in this weather. I got to give it to the girl. She is amazing. And so while she's doing that, she's singing and worshiping the Lord, and it's obvious to anybody who's around. So she has a heart of worship, and that pleases me very much. I just want to acknowledge that. And I, I want to thank my wife for being willing to be God's vessel today. Thank you, dear. Um, renouncing the evil of exalting human weakness. This is just something that's been deep on my heart because I think we all can attest or testify we all have human deficiency. We all have human limitation. But what we also have is the tendency to post that up against what God wants us to be doing how he wants us to be living. So when God gives um, um, his truth or is trying to speak something into, we know it's already bigger than we can do in ourselves. So it requires, this is a God-sized thing, it also requires us to have faith to step out on the water and let God do that. Well, I see Moses as a huge example to us of a man who struggled with this same human tendency. And I think that it's really important we take some time just to glean for ourselves, what does God want for us to hear? What does God want for me to realize today? You know, to me, I feel like the secret place for me is a place of prayer because I want to be able to touch the supernatural power of God. I want to be able to take and be infused with this human finiteness. I want it infused with the omnipotence of the God who created me. And every time I go to prayer, I get this sense that it's, he's always bigger than I'm grasping and I'm recognizing in the moment. So I think that it's important that we get an attention focus on who God is. We need that reminded to us in our days. The moment you begin to worry, you're already moving out of the path of the Almighty. The moment we begin to take into mindset that He may not be able to do this, or this, what am I going to do about this? Most of the time, that's us trying to take charge in the way of where God is. So let's just look at these areas in Moses' life, see what God will help us to see this morning. I want to read here in chapter 3 just a few verses, and it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock in chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Shout to me if you're there. 
I know Will's there. Anybody else? Amen. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he fled. Oh, sorry. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today because we are here to receive from you and to give of ourselves to you. I'm thankful for your word. Jesus, I don't want to miss in this moment what it is that the Holy Spirit is trying to ignite in, into our hearts. And I just want to thank you for your anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes to be able to enlighten our minds, to draw us, Lord, closer to you. Father, we want this season to be all about Jesus. We don't want to just sing songs that our hearts are not melted and mended to. But Lord, sing songs that we are very much engrafted into. Our life, our heart is all about Jesus in this time. And not just this time, but Lord, every day of our life is this exalting of the Prince of Peace. The one who's given us life. And so Jesus, I want to remember that right now. Lord, I think that that is the atmosphere here. One way or another... That we all, Lord, whether we sense our weakness or the struggle to be able to let it out thoroughly, let it out fully, be able to shout from the tops, or to be able to be the angels that herald the name of Jesus in our community, in our church. Lord, regardless of those things, oh God, I'm thankful that you are able to help us in these moments. And Lord, you know our weaknesses, but none of those are a challenge to you. Oh God, none of them are a challenge to you. You can go beyond and transcend anything that we consider to be human. Lord, if necessary, to bring miracles in order to show that. And so, Jesus, would you just elevate us as a people of faith and move us beyond some of those places where we allow for excuses where we ought to be repenting and surrendering. And Jesus, I give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord, today for the help you've given. And we will give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. There we go. How many of you want the preacher to give an anointed message this morning? <laughs> right? Praise God. Okay, we see this. This first is initiation is on God's side. Is Sometimes we initiate something in a sense like we go to prayer, but the fact that we even made it to prayer is kind of this thing that God must have been initiating by bringing about Something in our life that gave us a sense of desire to even move in that direction. But I think the thing that we can see this is God is always doing things to call for our attention. Whether we're even attending or ready for it or not, He's always calling for us. I think I was talking to a, um, a brother this week, uh, Harry, um, I can't remember his last name. But anyway, great brother in the Lord. And he was sharing how his past and what it's been like and how God has just moved him through life. And just this need to be always in where God wants him to be. And we were both sharing in just this bliss of um, fellowship. You know when you meet a brother or sister in the Lord and the fellowship is just there from the moment you start. 
And I could hear it in his heart. He could hear it from me. And we were just encouraging one another with the same heart of expression. But I got that from him as well as from me, is that God is always there. God is always present. Even the most despairing and difficult circumstance you're in, God's in that. You may not be recognizing Him, and I think that is because our hearts allow for the despair and the depression to become the clouds over the face of God. But if we could just have just a moment to just let the despair lapse, we would get a bigger picture of how glorious He is and how attentive He is to every need that we have. I think it's powerful if we just take time to reflect on God is always trying to get our attention. God is always in every situation trying to do that. Sometimes when you're going through those things and whatever your emotion or your emotional state is in the moment, you're thinking He's not there. But He's very much there. He's very much there. And also I, I see this, that God sees and responds when we turn aside. You know, some of us are just busy in life and God is just always trying to get our attention and we're so busy that we don't take time and turn aside. But I think that's the call of this moment is just turn aside. Take some time to pray and seek the face of God and let Him just minister to your life. So important. How many of us feel and understand how important that is? I just need the Lord in my time. You know, it's one thing that we, do, we say it. It's another thing how we give to it. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome because in the Psalms it says, the Lord does not slumber, nor does He sleep. Imagine that. You know, this morning at 3 o'clock, I, had to, I just felt like I had to get up out of bed. <laughs> and, you know, recently it's been around 4 o'clock, sometimes 3 o'clock. Some of you are pretty well accustomed to that. But I realized how good those hours can be when there's no other voice, no other distraction. And I can just take that time. I'm listening to an audio book, listening to my Bible, listening to worship and just taking it in in that moment. And really wanting to, I I think in my heart, Lord, here I am. What do you want to say to me? What do you want to share with me? And what if we could devote another hour to that? Another, uh, Another two or three more hours to time spent with God. Wouldn't it be well worth our time. Let's turn aside today. Let's not even after the service, this time we have here, keep us from turning aside for what God may be saying today. So we have this call in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. It says, Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God is calling to Moses and telling him what he wants him to do. And you've got to have the picture of what's happening here. Because Moses had just left Egypt. He left Egypt because his life was being threatened by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had the power to do so. But he left Egypt with fear. The thought of going back, I'm sure, was more than he could bear. The thought of delivering the people was probably even more so. So you've got to understand that God isn't speaking things to Moses that Moses is ready for. That Moses in his natural state, just in his human way of thinking, in his human way of doing things, is ready for God to speak these kinds of things in his life. And you can see right at the beginning, Moses is already having an attitude of resistance toward what God is saying. So in verse 11, 
You know, we might think of this, this is just a humble cry of a humble man, but the more you read, you realize this isn't a humble cry. He says uh, in verse 11 that Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And we see just a few more verses down that um, he says to God in verse 14, he said, Go send someone else. In verse 14 it says, And God said to Moses, uh, Sorry, who? Sorry, I must have missed that verse. Oh, that's not the right verse. Maybe I'll find it. Anyway, later on here, he, oh, verse 414. That's where it is. I was looking at 314. Verse 414. Also the officers, no, that's five. There's my page. Here we go. Verse 13, he says, But he said, O Lord, O my Lord, Please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He's asking God to send somebody else. So we know when Moses gets this beginning thing, he's already stricken with, who am I? I'm not going to be able to do this. And I think it's really important to get a grasp of what is happening here. Moses essentially is, and I think this is the thing we have to be careful for in our Christian life, that we have a way of... utilizing our weaknesses to miss the call of God in our life. You know, all of us have the human frailties. Every one of us know that. But you notice that God addresses the conflict between language and intent. See, the language can sound right. Oh, I just need the grace of God. I just need help from heaven. And that can be the language. But the intent of the heart can be shown elsewhere by the way that you're acting, by the things that you're choosing to do, as if, for instance, God is saying to me, and I'm saying to Him, I believe you with my heart, but in my actions I'm beginning to do something different. And I think that happens so often when God is actually telling us, trust me with this. Sometimes that trust means that you have to step out and you have to make a phone call, or you have to give a letter, you have to write a message to somebody you don't know. And as uncomfortable as that feels... You're like, I I gather that this is what the Lord wants me to do. And here's the problem. We become less and less sensitive to the voice of God when we're used to, when He's calling out to us and we're used to giving Him our weaknesses. And we're not really giving it to Him. We're giving Him His reasons why we can't do this. Rather than, Lord, I know this weakness is something that You have to prevail upon in order for me to move forward but you wouldn't be calling for me if that wasn't what you were going to do. Also, we have to notice Moses' immediate response was not one that showed a readiness to obey. You know, of all the things that we could do, is there a readiness? Our immediate response to God, I'm ready. I love the words of Isaiah when he says, Here am I. Send me. You know, the truth is is that God's call on your life is far more incredible than you feel like you're capable of doing. And we have to realize that. And so there should be this call back to Him. Lord, send me. I know as radical as it may seem, I'm ready to go the direction You're calling me to go. I'm ready to do whatever it is You want me to do. We have to notice how Moses 
was placing the burdens of his weaknesses above God's call. Who am I? You'll find in the continued verses here that Moses is continually doing the same thing with God when he says, um, they will not hear. That I'm not eloquent enough. And that send someone else. These are all things that Moses actually did. In this conversation with God, you would think if God's great, His word is speaking, wouldn't my heart immediately melt to it? It's strange to me that it's not, but it's, that's what it reads. So he has these burdens of his weakness above God's call. I want to ask you the question, are you going through that? I, I, are we having those times when the weakness, the struggle, I'm, I'm just not a person who, our, my personality is not one who, I'm an introvert, right? And so I, I don't really, I don't feel comfortable talking to people. I don't feel comfortable being able to do some of those things. But here what I'm saying is God doesn't match His will to your personality. He begins to make you move in faith even if it doesn't match your personality. I hear people all the time saying, well, this is who I am. <clears throat> but does the who I am get in the way of who God is and what God wants to do? I think a lot of times we think this is who I am. This is what identifies me. And really what should be identifying us is what is God's call? What is He telling us to do? Moses was never going to move an inch while he was justifying himself. So here's what I think is important when we're renouncing the evil of exalting human weakness. The first is to ask the right questions. You know, Moses, had he been asking the right questions of himself, he would not have been questioning God. Moses had asked the right questions about himself, he would not have been questioning God. Now, I think it's important to think about are you questioning God not by verbalization, but questioning God in what you're doing? Like, here's one of the things I see people, men will do on their job site, is when their finances, and they're trying to secure finances, and say we say, the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. But I won't take Sabbath rest from my work in order to honor the time I have with God. I will continue to work seven days a week and we miss the time in the, in the house of God. Now, you guys aren't obviously guilty of that, right? But that's become the status in the heart of people. And so before we know it, our, our, what we're saying is that I don't have the ability, I can't change my circumstances and take a day to rest and exalt the Lord. Those can be some of the things that we face. Sometimes it's, now my bills are behind, I don't have the money, I need to go take a loan. You didn't pray about it, you didn't seek the Lord, but you went and took the loan anyway. And see, it is that we find a way in our human endeavor to be able to fix it without asking God to get in on it. And so it's so important that we actually trust the Lord in our life. So here's some things I think we can ask ourselves when it comes to this place of weakness. And I want to say this is where when we sin, when we do something that we just feel like wasn't perfect or we should have done better than what we did, here's some questions. 
Do I seek comfort after failure instead of correction? Do I seek comfort after failure instead of correction? When I am challenged by others, am I defensive or objective? These are ways that we exalt our weaknesses. We may not recognize it, but somebody's challenging us, and immediately we go on the defensive, and that's saying I'm not willing to be challenged. I'm not really ready for correction and instruction in righteousness. And, and so then we begin to become defensive rather than be objective and listen and see where we might be wrong. Do I avoid conviction by immediately going to comfort scriptures? There are, there are a great number of scriptures that were meant for our comfort, but none of them were meant to bypass and get around conviction. So sometimes what we have done is just instill, oh Lord, I'm trying to instill the comfort that I'm still accepted with Him. That the Lord doesn't, isn't angry with me. I want to make sure that the, the relationship is at peace. That's my first and foremost intent. You read the story of Saul, and when Saul did that, he was seeking to worship God, but he had feared the people. And so this was his weakness, was to fear man, was to fear somebody else. How many of us have actually taken time in the course of our Christian life just recently to go approach a stranger and share the gospel with them? How many of you feel like that would be uncomfortable? So I'm not saying in this moment that this is what I'm telling you to do, but I think that the reason why more of us don't do it more often is not because God isn't telling you to do it. It's because you feel the insecurity and the sense of the fear of somebody to be able to talk to them. And that insecurity keeps you from saying things that you need to say, from exalting and sharing the testimony or sharing about what God has done with somebody else. Sometimes we have a family member that's been there and we feel like I can't talk to them or somebody is a co-worker because of their beliefs and all what I know about their resistance toward God and we allow those fears to shadow under our weaknesses. And then what we do instead of obey is pray. And we lose the power of prayer because we've lost the effect of obedience. And so both of them are very, very important. Here's another question we can ask ourselves. Is God's voice always sweet and reassuring? It's how we protect ourselves. It's how we give ourselves that sense of well-being and assurance. And we're always looking for an assurance. Sometimes that's not what we need. Sometimes it is. But it's interesting when it always becomes reassuring and always sweet. Do I admit my faults? These are questions we can ask and then go immediately to justify them. Have you ever been caught in those conversations with somebody? Right? The, the, the conversation of here we are talking and we're back and forth about these things that you don't like or that you're, you're struggling with with me, and my reply back is to you, my immediately reply is not one that says, I hear what you're saying. Let me just take a moment and think about where you're coming from. But instead, my reply is, but I did it because. This is the reason why. And we're trying to show them that we didn't mean their harm we just meant something that was good for them. And we automatically go to the place of looking for a way to cover the fault instead of listen to the person. 
And I think that's just our way of covering for human weakness because our tendency in any relationship is to do something by accident that we didn't mean anybody else's harm. Sometimes it's taken without the intent. I didn't know that that's, I didn't realize when I did that 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 was going to be a problem for you. I didn't know it was going to take of your time or whatever the case is. And because of that, we feel like, well, I know that I'm, I know that I'm justified because there wasn't any intent to hurt you. But that is a way that we exalt our human weakness instead of slow down and think for a minute, is there a place of correction that I need here? Do I need this correction? And that the Word of God is for correction, for instruction, and reproof. Right? And so I think a lot of what God has given to His people is instruction and reproof and correction. But if we're not hearing Him, we're posting against and we're already... This is a society that now we have a term of... What is the, what's the term that we're using now these days? That, you know, we're, we're already set on the defense. I'll, I'll think of it here in a minute. When I do, I'll share it with you. Yeah, cancel culture. I never heard that growing up, that this is a cancel culture. But we see it on politics. It's right on display on TV. And all it is is to shut you up, to keep you from talking, so that I can get my way. And this is the culture we're living in, and we don't realize that Christians are beginning to feel the power of their own culture weighing in in their own hearts. And we need to be attentive to the voice of God. As God gives us rebuke, that sensitivity and softness of heart for Him to be able to correct us and for our brothers and sisters to be able to speak into our life and do the same thing. And praise God when our hearts are open to correction because then God can pour out His Spirit in our life. But once we close... And we tighten our hearts to correction and instruction. And even especially God's and through His messengers. Then we, God can't pour out His Spirit and do something precious in our lives. Do I grieve the Holy Spirit because I refuse to do anything that would make me uncomfortable? Now, this is so important in all of our life. Is Look at the things that... Just ask yourself, if God were to call you to do it, would you give Him a challenge because you're uncomfortable with the idea? So here's some thoughts behind that. I think that we're uncomfortable because it doesn't fit my personality. No, God isn't always telling you to do things that don't fit your personality. I'm just saying that we tell God no because it doesn't fit my personality. I hate rejection. I'm not going to do it because... I'm going to get rejected, or I think I'm going to be rejected. And I think God has given rebuke to people who treat, who do that. Is when when I choose to disobey the Lord because of fear of rejection, I'm already in sin. That's just not me. Someone else is better at that than I am, and I think that's what Moses did here later on. Somebody else could do this better than I can. How often do I ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit? And is that becoming normal? See, what you want to ask yourself as a question is, what is in the filler? What are you filling that void with? So if the Holy Spirit prompted you and you didn't do it, what is in place of not doing it? What is in place of not doing it? 
So I think the second thing we need to do besides ask the right questions is when you seek the Lord, look to Him for the right answers. See, God was giving Moses all the right answers, everything Moses needed to hear. But something struck me, and that was that Moses wasn't completely embracing the answers God was giving him. I mean, let's read some of them. So let's go back to where he said, let's see if I can find it real quick. I think it was verse 10. Yeah, God says in verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God in verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And this is what God says to him. And he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God gave him an answer and said, And God said in verse 14, to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, See, you see these answers that God has given. And there's something about when God is speaking, Moses is afraid on some level to embrace everything that God is saying. So Moses was unnecessarily delayed because he wasn't fully embracing the answer God was giving. I think this is, this is what I caught in this. This is what I caught. Was sometimes I'm hearing, but it's faint. I'm getting a little bit of the message of God, but I'm not getting it loud and clear. Because there's things in my heart that's already posting against just really surrendering and yielding to the Lord. And I'm not recognizing that in the moment. I'm not recognizing that in the moment. But I, I, that struggle finds itself to the surface of your life and you find it just working its way through the sand. And before you know it, it's there. And that, that same thing was what's really going on in my heart before God and it works its way to the, the forefront of it. And so here's the thought I had with that. The truth, this is the truth. The greater the gap, when we're talking about delay, we're talking about delay, the greater the gap of delay, the greater the consequence. See, sometimes we don't take that because what we're, we're doing is moving toward the grace of God so quickly. But what we're missing is that it's still the grace of God in the requirement of obedience. So if we're looking to grace but still not obeying Him, we're missing the whole mark here. So then there's this delay that happens. You notice that Paul talks about that Satan has hindered me. Well, this wasn't a hindrance of his own. This was a hindrance from Satan. But he still recognized there was a delay. And, you know, my wife brought up while I was talking about this, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. But the foolish ones had had a long delay. And it was such a long delay that at the final end that they weren't able to come in. And I think that's the caution 
I have to give to the church today. I have to say that to every individual believer in Christ. There are times when the Holy Spirit is urging you, prompting you to be faithful and obedient. And there's that time where the grace of God is ministering to you and giving you space even though you haven't done it. Reminded of, of Jonah when God was calling him to go preach to Nineveh and he wasn't doing it. And he finally did it. And we don't see anything in that that looks like that there was any bad thing that happened. Like the people of Nineveh had perished. That, no, that Jonah had missed his final call and his opportunity. But if you continue to let the delay happen long enough, your opportunity will be missed. It will be missed. But what's the consequences when a Christian delays too long? What happens when believers put aside what God is? I don't think we take into mind what that might look like. But I, I hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I say, that's missing there. You don't see God saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant for those who continue to delay. But here's another one. We have those who, that they, they talks about of their talents and they had given of their talents and some had taken 30 and they, they had increased and, and continued to have more and some with less. And I think delay is simply those things that were intended in the will of God for our life that we just missed. And that was your talent. That's what you get to bring before the throne of God when you stand before the Lord after you've died. You get to bring what the grace of God has accomplished in obedience to the Lord. See, the grace of God doesn't accomplish disobedience. So we're always looking to the grace of God to help mold us and further us in the will of God. So you're going to be looking back through your life and you may already begin to sense the, the struggle in the, oh, how would I say it? The regret of time you already know has lapsed. God wanted something in that time, and you did something else with it. We have to remember that sensitivity is cultivating by yielding to God's answers. What I've noticed is godly people are more are the sensitive ones. They're the ones who heed to the Lord quickly. But the ones that are insensitive are the ones who don't heed to the Lord hardly at all. You know, when I ask, I ask somebody who's either a Christian or professes to be a Christian, and I say, where's your time in the Bible? What's your prayer life looks like? You know, all I'm really doing is just trying to find out, are they doing anything in their life that may connect them with the Lord and the voice of God for their life? And so the, I could say this, I know I know it from you. I know it from some of the testimonies that I've heard is the sensitivity that you have told to me and times when I've shared that with you has come out of your prayer time. You were praying and God was speaking and ministering to you. You all of a sudden became sensitive to somebody in your life that you needed to minister to and do something for. And because of that, you just remained steadfast in prayer and the Lord led each step. And along the way, and I have been touched by some amazing testimonies right here in this place. Some testimonies of God leading from one step to the next step to the next step. And, and learning to doubt your own voice and to doubt your own thoughts in that direction. And to say, Lord, help me. And going the direction, even with some of the doubt in mind, 
I'm not sure if this is my mind or for sure it's God, but I'd rather at least step out and find out. If it's mine, it's going to fail. But it would even fail if I didn't do what God wanted me to do. So I'm going to step out and God's going to continue by His grace. He's going to continue to give confirmation in what He's showing. So that first step, He's going to eventually give you confirmation because He doesn't leave you ignorant where He wants you to be. If you don't start getting confirmation, you might have a good reason to start second-guessing. Don't miss the message in this that God is giving. I look at the life of Moses, and God spoke to Moses, and He said, when God spoke to him, he was still struggling with this thing of faith in his life. And so I said, I'd already shared with you in chapter 4, some of those things that we see. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Now interestingly, he'd already asked the Lord in chapter 3 what God wanted him to say when the people did ask those questions. And yet he revisits this thing with God one more time. And Moses answered and said, suppose they will not believe. God had already given him an answer. In verse, in, I think it's verse 10. Let me double check that. Yes, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, I can relate to this in a different way because I remember what it was like trying to stand and share a testimony prior just to the anointing and the touch of God's Spirit on my life. And it was so hard to get up in front of a crowd. It didn't matter if there was three people or 50 people as far as that was concerned. It was so, so difficult for me. I could have said the same thing. Lord, no matter what you're telling me in the moment, no matter what you're sharing with me, I still don't have the ability to be able to speak. And because of that, I, I'd, I'd learn not to let that weakness get in the way of what God wanted to do. And then I think again, verse 13. Yes, verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, when it's all said and done and God has given him everything he can, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever you will, you may send. And so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, it's not Aaron, the Levite, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. I wonder this thought. Did Moses miss a portion of what God would have done through him because he insisted that somebody else do it? Because he was so focused and on his own natural weaknesses. All of these are natural weaknesses, but none of them were okay with God. I wrote this down. Natural timidity is spiritual impotence. Natural timidity is spiritual impotence. We can't walk in the way God wants us to. I love Peter on Pentecost, and he makes the statement, 
silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. There's no spiritual impotence there because he didn't let the timidity flow. We see the one Peter, Peter uh, before Pentecost, and now he's being, he's having to stand before three different individuals, and with all three of them, he denies Jesus. And Jesus said, It's coming. It's coming, Peter. And Peter was relying on his natural strengths. He was used to, he wasn't used to surrendering his natural strength to the almighty strength of God. And so he found himself actually denying Jesus three times. And then it says that afterwards he went away and wept bitterly. I would too. He saw what, he, what was in himself. But now we see the day of Pentecost flow around. And, and Peter's now baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking boldly. And he's able to do what he couldn't do before. And I think that's the reality is God can possess us. God can have our life. But it's a voluntary surrender. Lord, I think that's the only difference between from Christian to Christian is the, the difference on how much we're willing to surrender to the Lord. And so if we don't surrender, the natural timidity will take the place of spiritual life. If you let your weakness determine your destiny, your biggest regret will be what happens when you die. If you let weakness determine your destiny, your biggest regret will be what happens when you die. I think it's amazing that we've got people of worldly minds telling us that pretty much whatever you put your mind to, you can do. And interestingly, they almost prove it to be so. I think one of the worst things we can do as Christians is say you'll never be successful as a sinner. You can be a very, very lost sinner and be very, very successful in the world. You'll just never be successful with God. So what's God's message? When we tie this all together, if I could just sum it up and put it into words, what would I put it as? I would say that this is God's message to us. Despite your human weaknesses, God can. God doesn't call you and then leave you to fail. God makes conquerors, overcomers, and unleashes promises and miracles to His called out ones who believe Him. The Lord does not fail. He does not lose. Uh, he does not lose, so embrace it. The Lord does not fail. He does not lose. So embrace it. Renounce all within your nature that does not cling to it. God is able. God is able. God is able. You know, I don't think any more needs to be said on the subject. I just think we should pray about it, right? God is able. He's able to reach down into any area of our life. You know, and all of us with different testimonies out this place, you're, you can testify to that. And the only thing I'm doing here is encouraging what you already know. But I'm also trying to do something else. I'm also trying to, by the grace of God, trying to get us to get it a little bit more fired up. Because I think a lot of times in our life, we're like, I did that once, but I'm not doing it right now. So we want that reminder from God to move forward. Amen. I want you to begin to ask yourself this question before we take time at the altar and just give time for repentance. Is there a place in your heart out of what I've said that you can say, Pastor, I have exalted my human weakness. I know some places in my life right now while you're talking that came to my mind and I started thinking of them. 
I started realizing that I've got a lot of unfounded fears that, that don't embrace you. I've got a lot of anxieties that really don't live in the realm that you want. I have things in my mind that I haven't been willing to be to step out where I know that you've called me to because of. If you could say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to say, let's take this time together. All of us together. And those of you who say, that's not me in the moment, I want you to pray for those individuals. I want you to pray for the ones who are willing to come down and the ones who are not. And I want to say, if you're that person, I think one of the best things you can do is come to the altar. And the reason is, is because you're making a declaration by moving forward that you're willing to reconcile with God on those issues. Don't mistake it as this is not an area that needs deep and and really ardent repentance in our life. We absolutely need to confront places in our life where we're not letting the Lord have his way. So I want to invite my wife and Sarah to come back up. We're going to sing I Surrender All of all things, right? Before you sing it, make sure you can match it. Let's pray about it, okay? I want to pray here just in a few minutes. I want to pray just over you as you consider to do this and take time to let the Lord minister to your heart and minister to him in this area of life. And then we will uh, worship together. Father, thank you right now. I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar right now while I'm praying. Just come on up. Father, right now, I don't think that if we were being completely honest that we would say there isn't a measure of our own human side that doesn't get in the way of what you're doing, God. Maybe I'm not taking it into mind, but I know it's true. And so right now, Jesus, I want to acknowledge before you whatever that is. And so, Jesus, you know those who are coming to receive from you. Father, those who are confronted with some place in their heart. And, Lord, those that are staying right where they're at, but they're still confronted with that same reality. Oh, God, we thank you for your miracle-working power. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that can translate these things that have had his point of deception. And now we can have a point of truth and rest in you, God. Thank you for what you're doing. We're willing to admit it. And, Lord, admission is the first place for reconciliation. Lord, we really want your great love to touch our life. Lord, we want your love to touch us right now. We're not content. We're not content to miss it even on a little level, not even on a finite, because, Lord, it's intense what it means to be a child of God and completely surrender to you. So, Lord, right now, anybody who needs to come, please come up forward. Pray as the Lord leads us. Let's sing this song together in Jesus' name. Amen.